Hello, everyone, and welcome to Full Time, where we take you around the world of soccer locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Full Time is presented by the Game Sports Show and powered by the Game Entertainment and Media. You are listening to Season 3, Episode 10 of Full Time. I am your host, Daniel Scarpino, and with me is our co-host, Gaetano Gallo. Before we begin today's show, Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. With their two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, you can download and access the Pizza Portal app so you can enjoy a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. We remind our listeners that recordings of Full Time occur weekly or bi-weekly, and uploads to all of our platforms for public viewing and listening will occur weekly or bi-weekly as well. Folks, we are beyond excited to bring you today's episode of Full Time. Talking footy with each of you is something that we are always buzzing for. Gee, a very happy Monday to you, my friend. How are you? I am doing phenomenal, Scarps. Uh, and I'm a little bit at the expense of you, so I do apologize for that. But how are you doing? It can all be forgiven, G. I totally understand that. And even in spite of that, I am doing well. So thank you for that. Uh, we have ourselves a fantastic lineup of things to talk about today, and I'm really looking forward to it. In today's show, we will be discussing the outcome of Juventus's point deduction in Syria. The Champions League and Europa League semi-final outcomes. We'll be previewing the Europa League final. We will discuss Europe's Big Five and how those leagues will finish up this upcoming weekend. And we will give you all a local soccer update. As always, if anyone would like to listen to our previous content, please check us out at Full Time on the Game Sports Show. And without further ado, Gaetano, and to everyone who has taken the time to tune in here today, let's kick off. We begin today's show by discussing the most recent news in the world of football, and that is that Juventus have been handed, at this point in time, a 10-point deduction in the Serie A standings, which was once 15 points, then reduced to zero points, and now it, it has been handed down officially as 10 points. Gaetano, Juve's mess of a season continues practically until the very end. Just what is going on here, and what are your thoughts on this? I mean, like... The way they've been the last couple of seasons this is really not surprising at all. They've been a bit of a mess on and off the field. Um, and like we mentioned when they originally got the points deduction, I was shocked that they got it in the middle of the season. And I was shocked again when it was appealed successfully in the middle of the season. And so at this point, I'm like not shocked that they have had it unappealed, I guess, would be the correct term, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I, I suppose <laughs> so. And, and I'm also not so shocked by it, but... It is, in my opinion, a little bit messy because they've they flip-flopped so often. I just find it to be a case of, do they even know what's going on? Do they even have all their ducks in a row? And uh, who knows if there's going to be another twist in this one. And, and I anticipate at some point in time, because Juventus will launch another appeal, I'd imagine, uh, there, there will be another twist to it. So, uh, again, are all the ducks in a row? It seems really unorganized, and I don't really know what to make of it at this point in time. But... What we're going to do here is, is I'm going to read an excerpt um, regarding Juventus's 10-point deduction in Syria, and I'm reading it from ESPN. And the article starts with, quote, Juventus were hit with a fresh 10-point penalty on Monday, May 22nd, which is today as we're recording, by an Italian court, hampering their chances of qualifying for next year's Champions League, Italy's Football Association said. The latest punishment for false accounting in the club's transfer dealings dropped Juventus from second spot in Serie A to seventh. It left the Bianconeri five points behind AC Milan, fourth place in Serie A, and the final qualifying spot for the Champions League. 
On Twitter, Juventus said that they take note of the decision by the court and reserve the right to file a new appeal against it at Italy's top sports body, which is what we anticipated that they would do. Max Allegri's side was handed a 15-point penalty in January, while several members of Juventus's former board were also given bans from soccer activities, including former president Andrea Agnelli. The points deduction was suspended last month on an appeal to the country's highest sports court within the Italian Olympic Committee and referred back to the Soccer Federation's appeal court for a new trial. That took place again today on Monday, May 22nd. During a three-hour hearing, Federation Prosecutor Giuseppe Sheen requested an 11-point penalty for Juventus. He had asked for nine back in January. Sheen also requested eight-month bans for seven former Juventus directors, including Pavel Nedved, but they were cleared of that request in court. Agnelli and three others had their appeals rejected last month. The Juventus board resigned en masse in November following an investigation by Turin public prosecutors in alleged false bookkeeping. A sports, uh, sports trial in the case was then reopened based on information from the Turin prosecutors, leading to the points deduction. Juventus had initially been cleared of the sports uh, court the previous April. The prosecutors in Turin have also charged Juventus, Agnelli and 11 others with false communications by a company listed publicly on the Milan Stock Exchange, obstructing watchdog agencies, false billing, and market manipulation. Juventus's legal troubles deepened still further last week after the Italian Soccer Federation also charged the club and seven former team directors with alleged fraud for the way they handled player salary cuts during the coronavirus pandemic, end quote. Gaetano, I don't even know where to start <laughs> all this. Uh, we've been talking about Juventus practically every other show, it seems, uh, basically since November. And now the latest is that it's a 10-point deduction from their season in City A, and pretty much that terminates their hopes and diminishes their hopes of European football for next season. What can be said about all of this? I think, so I'm still really confused as to why this has happened all like during the season. Uh, typically, these type of points deductions are tacked on to the following season. It's kind of weird. To like take away 15 points, give them back 15 points, take away 10 points, like in the middle of a season. And like now with two games left of the season, uh, it's just wild to me. But if all of this is, you know, true and, uh, you know, kind of right, then I'm very glad that Juventus is getting punished uh, properly. I think it's, you don't see it very often in sports where teams uh, face like real consequences uh, for what they do. So I think, uh, if that's the case and the appeal is unsuccessful, then uh, I think it's very good for this for the game. Yeah, I think you want to protect the integrity and the moral aspect and the ethos of the, of the sport, regardless of whatever sport it is. I think you want to do that for sure. But I agree with you, the timing on it, it doesn't make much sense to me. And I almost wonder if that had any sort of bearing today on uh, Juventus's performance against Empoli because they got thrashed four to one. It was really embarrassing. So uh, I think there's a lot going on at that club. I know that there's a lot going on at that club. We've been talking about it for months. And uh, we'll see what happens next because uh, we have been consistent with this story here on full time and we will continue moving forward to keep all of you, our listeners, informed on this one. And it goes without saying that there definitely will be more to come on this matter. Gee, let's now move into the outcomes of the Champions League semifinals on a bit of a, a lighter note. Gaetano, the smile on your face says it all, <laughs> but I will ask anyhow, how, how happy were you with the outcomes of these ties? uh thrilled uh so we'll start with the milan derby just 
it was exactly what you wanted from it. It was like hard, passionate, aggressive, like actually beautiful football. And uh, I think at the end, uh, Inter definitely deserved to win and got through. And then on the city aspect, um, you know, anytime you beat Real Madrid and go to a Champions League final, it feels great. Of course it does. I can only imagine the feeling. So I'm hopeful <laughs> in the future that I could uh, I could experience that. But well done to City for reaching the final. Uh, they totally deserve it. And as for the, the Milan clash, I was actually on a bus ride down to North Bay. I was going to coach and uh, one of my fellow coach colleagues, we literally looked at each other at the same time. And we were like, oh my God, it's 1-0. And then we did it again. Oh, it's 2-0 because it all happened within the first 11 minutes. But like you said, everything from that Milan derby was what we wanted it to be. And as for City, as we're going to talk about here shortly, that second leg was, uh, I don't want to say it's unlike anything I've ever seen, because obviously we have seen it, but it was, uh, in short, amazing. Let's, uh, let's get a going, G, by looking at the Milan clash between Inter Milan and AC Milan. The double Milan derby was set to excite all of us as these two historic rival clubs would face off not just once, but twice. The first leg saw Inter come out on the front foot as two early first half goals would give them a 2 to nil advantage going into the second leg. In the second leg, Inter were hardly tested and were even able to get a third crucial goal late on in the second half to put themselves up three goals to nil on aggregate. It would stay that way as Inter would win three to nil and book their place in the Champions League final. Gee, my first one here, and I don't know that it's much of a question because uh, AC Milan, they had their moments in this tie, but I will ask this question anyways. For you, did the best team clearly go through? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think uh, over the course of the two legs, uh, Inter was definitely better than AC uh, and definitely deserved to go through. Yeah, I agree with you on that for sure. And I, I always kind of figured especially the way that things started in the first leg I said they're destined for this they're destined to get to the final and that turned out to be the case for sure and second Gaetano just your overall thoughts on what Inter has brought to the Champions League not just in these semi-finals but throughout the entirety of the competition as they now have a chance to win it all I've been super impressed by their defense uh tons of clean sheets which is like one of the most rare things in the Champions League like that's how you win this tournament is you keep clean sheets right. and they've kept a bunch uh, including both legs of the semifinal, both legs of the round of 16. Like, that's huge for them. Um, and yeah, they have a, a genuine chance to win this. And I'm not going to lie, they, they scare me a little bit. Uh, they're so solid in the back. We know they have the firepower up front. Their midfield is very good. Uh, yeah, they are a phenomenal team and uh, rightfully are in the Champions League final. Yeah, and I think it's even a, a case, and, I, and I'm, I'm not showing any disrespect to Manchester City by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't even think it's the case of, oh, Inter Milan need a perfect storm to beat City, as brilliant as City are. Inter Milan's a very good team, so I think if they can get things right, they definitely have a chance they're in with the show. So they certainly deserve to be in this final, and um, they've booked their place, and now they have a chance to win it. Next, it was the star-studded affair that everyone looked forward to. It was your Manchester City, Gaetano, who went up against defending champions in this competition, Real Madrid. After an entertaining clash in the first leg ended one-to-one, it was all Manchester City in the second leg as they absolutely dominate at home, winning by a score of 4-0 to nil and 5-1 to one on aggregate. Gaetano, that second leg for me, as I mentioned earlier, was uh, just absolutely sensational in just about every way that you can imagine for Manchester City. I know as a fan, you are delighted, but I, along with our listeners, want to know your thoughts on what the difference was between the first leg in and the second leg, being my pardon, in this tie? Because uh, not to say that it was night and day, but it was uh, it was vastly different. 
so it's interesting because Pep's had this control philosophy <clears throat> uh, for all of the away legs so far in the knockout uh, stages. We drew 1-1 at Leipzig. We drew 1-1 at the Allianz. We drew 1-1 at the Bernabeu. But in all three cases, yet to the Etihad, and that's when we turn it up. And it's just been domination, uh, I think, what, 7-0 against uh, Leipzig, 3-0 against Bayern Munich, 4-0 against Real Madrid, like that. I don't know what, I don't know how he says it, like, phrases things to his team to get them to do that. Because obviously, like, tactical setups are, like, slightly different. But, you know, when when the Champions League anthem plays at the Etihad, uh, they just, they find a way to take it to the next level and, like, another level beyond that. Like, nobody, sh nobody should be beating Real Madrid 4-0 in a Champions League semifinal. Like, that should not happen. That does not happen. Um, and this to me is what separates Pep from every other manager in the world. Obviously, the team is like fantastic, but I don't think any other manager in that dugout gets that type of result. Um, and it was just it's just phenomenal. Yeah, and I, I'd also like to know what he says to his teams before those games because it's not that they come out and they're completely different, but like you said, the tactical setup is obviously different. But how you can go and just dominate the likes of RB Leipzig, who, who, by the way, I don't care what anybody says, it's a very good team. Bayern Munich is uh, reputable in, in all facets of football, and Real Madrid are the best team ever in this competition. And they just go out, and it was complete domination against Real. It was complete domination against Bayern. It was complete domination against RB Leipzig. Uh, and, and it's just remarkable to see, and it almost makes it feel like, uh, like City are destined for it, at least in my opinion. And Gatano, Real Madrid... It, They've been the major team in this competition year in, year out. People have called them the giants in this competition. How important mentally and psychologically was this victory over the, the two legs for Manchester City to get over that proverbial hump before reaching the final against the side like uh, Real Madrid? Um, so I think, because we've beaten Real Madrid before in the Champions League, but I think the, the biggest hump was after last year's semifinal being up, uh, you know, with basically basically stoppage time left and going on to right. you know concede two goals in stoppage time the penalty and extra time and lose like that i think hurt more than just losing to real madrid i think if we had lost to real madrid in kind of like more normal circumstances last season it wouldn't be as bad um but this was a massive hump this was you know this was revenge uh mm -hmm. the biggest and best way possible and yeah i think i, I, I don't I try, i'm trying not to jinx it i really don't <laughs> want to jinx it but I feel like, you know, this has set City up, um, you know, for taking that final step in the Champions League. Yeah, and it's, you know, we talk about it all the time, not just in football, but in sport. Everyone talks about the process. And maybe, you know, that, that crushing defeat last year and then the year before losing in the Champions League final, maybe this is all being a part of the process, right? And maybe now it's time. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that final very much. And I think, like I said, City are, are destined for something special. Uh, and we're going to talk about how it could be uh, even more special, not just this show, but in, uh, in next week's show as well. To review our picks, G, you, uh, you picked the two, uh, the two finalists spot on. I did think that AC Milan would get through, so I'm only half right because I did pick Manchester City as well. In the end, regardless, Gaetano, it is uh, an amazing final that we have upcoming in the month of June. And uh, we aren't previewing it here today on our show. We'll be doing that next week. But I just want your thoughts on on just the feeling of what it's going to be. Manchester City, Inter Milan, come the Champions League final. What do you feel? It's it's so hard to describe. Um, 
so actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to tell a little bit of the story here to kind of make this make sense. Um, you remember in 2016, Toronto FC went to MLS Cup final for the first time. I do. Right? So I bought tickets, flew down to Toronto for the weekend. I was like, yeah, we're gonna go, we're gonna go win, we're gonna win MLS Cup. Uh, and then they lost in a shootout. Right. And like I sat in BMO Field and cried my eyes out. It was awful. It was, and that whole next season, like the whole the, the overarching story of that was redemption. You know, and TFC obliged uh, with a record-setting season. Yep. And when it got to MLS Cup final in 2017, the the feel was different. It was like it almost felt in 2016 that the, it was like we won the Eastern Conference final. We were in MLS Cup. Like we were, eh, that was the party. We we're gonna win. 2017 was different. It was. Like the job is not done. Even winning the Eastern Conference final, the job was not done. You know, up late in the, the, the final in 2017, the job was not done until the ref blew the whistle for full time. That's kind of where I'm at with City now. Uh, two years ago when they beat uh, PSG in the semifinals, I've never felt been that more excited in my life. That was the best going to our first final. And yeah, I kind of probably, you know, took it for granted a little bit and looked beyond Chelsea at that point. I was like, excited to celebrate it. So now... You know, having lost that one, being back in this position, it's I'm I'm super excited to be here, but I also know how awful it could feel. And also right. if they do win it, how phenomenal it will feel if it's gonna be better than you know winning these semifinals. So I'm trying not to think about it until uh, June 10th. That's probably when I'll start to think about it more. <laughs> just trying to put it off and just not stress about it. I can't control it, I can't do anything about it, just trying to, you know not lose my mind about it because i will <laughs> well, fair enough and, and i think that you just uh, explained that beautifully and it actually gave me goosebumps when you drew the comparison to toronto fc because uh actually at that time i was away uh in north bay and i was watching that final uh with some of my friends and uh yeah the the, the feeling was from 2016 to 2017 it was definitely different 2017 you felt like okay this is where we really go out and, and we get this thing done now knowing the, the mistakes that we made the season prior. So maybe now this time around, like you said, maybe it's it's going to be a little bit more of a, a redemption story for City. And uh, for your sake personally, Gaetano, I certainly hope that it is. A reminder to our listeners that the Champions League final will take place on Saturday, June 10th. In a future show on Full Time, which is going to be next week for us here, we are going to preview that final for everyone. Gee, let's move on over to the Europa League, where those semifinals have wrapped up as well. As a result, the finalists are now confirmed. First, it was Sevilla and Juventus who kicked us off in the semifinals of this competition. After the first leg ended 1-1, to the second leg would require extra time after things ended 1-1 to once again. In the end, it was Sevilla who got over the line by finding a winning goal in the 115th minute. Sevilla win this tie 3-2 on aggregate. Gee, this pretty much went right down to the wire, but Sevilla, who are such a prolific side in this competition, see themselves into the cup final. Your thoughts here? Yeah, it was uh, amazing from Sevilla. They're, they're just, I don't know what it is, they're just so good in the Europa League. Um, you know, they've killed now two giants uh, in Manchester United and Juventus uh, in this run, and just like so impressive while doing it. Uh, just really, really phenomenal stuff for them. So excited for them to be back in the final. Yeah, and uh, I'm excited too. And some teams are just built for certain competitions, aren't they? I think, and I'll, I'll humbly brag about Arsenal. They typically are, are built for the FA Cup. Yeah. And Sevilla are typically built for the Europa League. So now the question becomes, can they do it one more time? Next, we saw Leverkusen and Roma who engaged in an entertaining tactical battle. Roma did win the first leg by a score of one to nil. 
In the second leg, it was goalless, which means that Roma go through by a score of one to nil on aggregate. Gaetano, it's exactly what we talked about. <laughs> the Mourinho masterclass yet again. Roma punches their ticket to the Europa League final as a result. What can you say about this one? Yeah, I mean, like, it's not surprising at all. This is what Mourinho does. He gets that one goal, sets up shop, defense, and that's it. And Leverkusen tried. They had, yes. I think it was like 26 shots, I think, over two legs. So they they really tried, but uh, Roma's defense held solid. And uh, Mourinho's got a chance to win another European Cup. Yep, and I and I I, for, I want to be forgiven if I get the pronunciation cross uh, uh, incorrect. Rui Patricio, yeah, the goalkeeper for Roma, he was unbelievable. Oh, some of the, uh, some of the saves Roma he came up with, producing their goal, their keepers. They had Allison yeah. a few years ago. Now him, like some top top class keepers there. Yeah, uh, unbelievable in terms of some of the saves he pulled off because uh, Leverkusen, they, it wasn't for lack of trying, that's for sure. They played really well, in my opinion. And uh, it was just a case of we knew exactly what we were going to get if Roma were going to get up a goal or two in the first leg. And we knew exactly how the second leg would go. It's exactly what happened. And, yeah, Roma get through. So now that we know our two finalists, Gaetano, we can officially look ahead to the final for next week. It will be Sevilla and Roma. Two sides who have shown resilience, quality, and passion throughout this competition. I think that that's um, not something that can be argued. A fun fact here. Jose Mourinho's teams have never lost a European final in which they played in. Sevilla have never lost a Europa League final in which they played in. So this suggests that something is going to have to give. History in one way or another will be made. Dano, who's going to win this final and why? I'm going to take Sevilla. As much as I love Mourinho's Roma, they're a phenomenal uh, little team, great outfit, great tactics. I just... There's something about Sevilla in the Europa League that I just, I can't look past them. Can't say I blame you for, for picking Sevilla because you don't go against the grain of history, but because I believe that Jose Mourinho's Roma is going to win it. They won the Conference League last year. I believe that they will win the Europa League this year. I don't think that they'll win the Champions League next year <laughs> if they get into it, but uh, I think that this is going to be a case of, you know what, this is what Mourinho does. And I know we dig a lot at Tottenham on this show, but how stupid it was for them to sack him just days before the Carabao Cup final. And uh, that was against your Manchester City, by yes, the way. Yes, it was. And uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that they would have beat City, but man, they would have had a better shot with him than they did without him. So this is what Mourinho does. I'm taking Roma. You're going to take Sevilla. Can't wait for this one. We're looking at it uh, just uh, a little over a week from today. So a reminder to our listeners once more that the final of the Europa League will take place on Wednesday, May 31st, and that game will kick off at 3 p.m. Eastern time. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Gee, it's time that we now move on to Europe's Big Five. Last show, we were able to confirm one champion, that being Napoli in Italy, Serie A. Now, on today's show, we are able to confirm two new champions before we even preview the end of the season, which is coming up in just six days' time. It's now Barcelona in La Liga, who have been crowned champions of Spain. As well, it's your Manchester City, Gaetano, who have been crowned champions of England. 
It's all still to play for in France's league, er, and especially in Germany's Bundesliga. G, before we even get into this, I just want your thoughts first and foremost on Barcelona and what they have been able to do this season and what has been, by all accounts, a massive turning point for them. Yeah, this has been uh, huge for them. I think last week or last episode I referred to it as a statement season, and it really has yes. been uh, to win the league by at this point, it's going to be well over 10 points. Um, and their first title under Xavi, the first title without Lionel Messi. Uh, yeah, this is a huge statement uh, of intent from them, and I expect them to build on this over the next couple of years. Yeah, this is not going to be a one-off, at least in my opinion. I don't think in, in the wider footballing public's opinion, will this be a one-off? This is going to be a case where they take this thing and they and they go on with it. And I think that Barcelona, it, well, it's, you can't really say they'll be the Barcelona of old because I don't think that'll <laughs> ever be reached again, but they will be a force to be reckoned with. So they they certainly done well. <clears throat> and Gaetano, the moment that you have been waiting for has now come round. Manchester City, who have been crowned champions of England for a third straight season. G, how are you feeling about this title? And and more than anything, and I'm really interested to hear this one, how does this title compare to the other ones that you guys have won? Because yes, it's three straight, but I believe it's five and seven and seven and 12 or something like that. So how does this one compare to the other ones? So, so it's five, five in the last six. Uh, five in the last six, sorry. Seven of the last 12, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's phenomenal. It's and I, I like I don't I don't want to sit here and brag about it because it was your Arsenal that uh, we kind of beat to the finish line. I I I love you too much to just sit here and roast you. If this was bitter rivals that. and you were Avery, I'd be giving you <laughs> giving you hell. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this is it's it's funny because every title kind of has a different like story to it. So you know, last year was the Gundogan uh, you know last minute comeback. Uh, the season before that, it was the COVID season. The you know, the inevitables, they won 21, I think, straight Premier League games uh, to win that title. Yeah. And this season now, like the three-peat. So everything, it, it, they don't feel all the same, but it just they all have their very, like, different special feel. Like a three-peat is something I, I never dreamed of. You know, it feels like when I would do that on, like, Football Manager or FIFA Career Mode, it felt like, oh, like, the game's, like, getting too easy now. Um, right. You know, because you never think it would happen. Um, so to see it for myself, is it's pretty, uh, pretty incredible. Um, and also just, like, like on the kind of the wider Man City spectrum, like there's people in those stadiums that, you know, watch City get relegated to the third division, you know, in the yep. in the 90s. And are now watching them win, win three-peat, something United has bragged about for ever since they did it. Uh, you know, they were the only team in England, not anymore, um, which is always great. So yeah, it's, it's massively special and just... Just a, a relief that the season, like that this this trophy's wrapped up now. Um, that's that's a great feeling. Uh, it's this is a long season. They started what early August. They start playing, yeah. so like ten, almost 10, 11 months of this. Uh, you know, up at seven thirty on my weekends, finding doggy streams to watch the game at work. Like, it's it's nice that it's finally paid off uh, with a Premier League title. Uh, and I I do again apologize that it came at the expense of your Arsenal. Yeah, I, and I and I do appreciate that a lot. And you know, you, you definitely deserve the bragging rights. City have been brilliant all season. Uh, there were a couple of sticky moments, uh, I guess, you know, towards the beginning. But we always said, you know, City are going to be there. You know, they're going to work through those things. They're going to make sure at the training ground they're going to get everything in, in Pep's words perfect. And uh, they're basically on course doing that now. And, uh, you know, Arsenal, and, and I took a look at this in one of our previous shows, I mentioned that Arsenal were the second youngest team in the Premier League. 
after uh, the January transfer window, Arsenal, the youngest team in the Premier League. So what Arsenal have done this season, people are continue to say they've bottled it. I don't think, in my opinion anyways, against a team like Manchester City, do you bottle it? I think we let ourselves down in certain moments, but what Manchester City have done this season, amazing. I think that they can end up with 94 points, assuming they win their last two games. So the days of probably winning a trophy, uh, the, the Premier League title on 82 points, 83 points, those are done and dusted. When you got a beast like Manchester City there, you know what you have to do, and that is win. And that is what Manchester City does. They win. So it's definitely uh, it's definitely well-deserved. So, uh, Tana, what, what we're going to do here, uh, we'll talk a little bit uh, about Italy's City. Uh, and although we've known our champion for the last little while, which is uh, Napoli, of course, it's all about the remaining places in the top four. Obviously, with that shakeup today regarding Juventus, the top four has now shifted. It's Lazio in second at this moment in time with 68 points. Inter have moved into third with 66 points. Milan are in fourth with 64 points. Atalanta are in fifth with 61 points. And Roma sit in sixth with 60 points. And finally, it is Juventus in seventh with 59 points after their 10-point deduction. So, G, just two games remaining in Serie A for each of, uh, each of the teams in the league. Who's, uh, who's going to get the remaining uh, top four spots? Um, it's pretty wild. because So, actually, Juve and Inter have to play each other, uh, yes. which is massive. <laughs> um, and yeah, I I think if Inter can get that result, then they'll all then they'll be mathematically safe. But I think that also just condemns Juve to no European football. Um, and I just I think Mourinho might just have a little bit more magic in him. I think he might be able to get Roma uh, into a Champions League spot. I think I think the top six the teams will say the same. The order will change a bit with Roma moving up. But I think those uh, those six will be playing in Europe next year. Yep, I uh, I definitely agree. It's going to be brilliant for Italian football in terms of how many teams they're going to have involved in it and uh, how well I believe they're going to do. So top four should stay, might get uh, reorganized a little bit, but uh, I do have a funny suspicion that maybe, just maybe, uh, Mourinho is going to sneak something in there. But assuming they win uh, the Europa League, then uh, they won't have to worry about it because they'll be in the Champions League regardless. So th- it, this isn't typical for how we how we do Europe's Big Five, folks, but we're going to be doing a little bit of flip-flopping. So now we're going to go back to La Liga. Now that we've introduced all three champions, we knew about Napoli, we introduced Barcelona's uh, champions of Spain, Manchester City champions of England. We're going to go back to La Liga now and make sure that we cover the rest of, of what's available. So uh, we know, again, Barcelona champions of Spain, and they're, of course, first place. The remaining top four places hang in the balance is Atletico Madrid in second with 72 points. Real Madrid are in third with 71 points. Real Sociedad are in fourth. Gee, I'll ask you this, and uh, I think it's a legitimate question. Has this been a failure of a season for Real Madrid? Because a lot of the rhetoric online is that it has been just that. Your thoughts? Um, I think for Real Madrid... Yes, for any other club in Spain or Europe, no. Um, you know, winning just your domestic cup, finishing probably second or third in the league and out in the Champions League semifinals. I think if you offered that to most clubs in Europe, they would, you know, rip your arm off for it. Uh, but it's Real Madrid. Their ambition is always Champions League, League, Copa del Rey. Like that, that's, that's the bare minimum, really. Uh, we've seen managers uh, in the past get fired for not, you know, completing that. So, yeah, I think if you're Real Madrid, it's a failure of a season. But in kind of just like wider footballing terms, no, definitely not. 
Yeah, I agree because their standards are so different and so high. Uh, I, I agree that by their standards, perhaps it's a failure of a season, but when we talk about it in footballing, uh, footballing terms, definitely not a failure of a season. Copa del Rey champions, going to finish second or third in the Liga, difficult league. Um, well, you know, maybe not in comparison to the Premier League, but it still is a difficult league. And uh, to reach a Champions League semifinal against uh, a team like Manchester City and, and go out, um, n- not a bad season in my opinion. And what we currently see with the top four in the league of folks, uh, it really should stand come the end of the season. Uh, you know, you might see Atletico and Real Madrid switch places, but what we see in the top four, that's what should stand barring a, a collapse by any of the aforementioned teams in the top four, or a, a subsequent triumph uh, from somebody else outside the top four. So it will likely be a top four comprised of, of course, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid, and Real Sociedad. In the English Premier League, it is Manchester City, as we have discussed, that are now champions of England for a third straight season. Arsenal will finish second by quite some margin. It's Newcastle, who, with their draw today against Leicester City, will officially be playing in the Champions League next year. They currently sit in third and will finish this season either in third or fourth place. Um, this, of course, depends on what fourth place Manchester United do with their two remaining games. United currently have 69 points with six uh, points up for grabs. Liverpool will be hopeful that United slip up in both of their remaining games. A victory for Liverpool on the last match day of the season, plus two Manchester United losses, will put them into fourth place and the final Champions League spot. Brighton have secured sixth place and will be playing European football next season as well uh, in the Europa League. The UEFA Conference League spot goes to the team who finishes seventh in the Premier League. It's Aston Villa, Tottenham and Brentford all vying for that. Gaetano, just one final place in the Champions League is to play for. This Premier League season has been just amazing. Give us your thoughts. So first of all, I cannot wait to see St. James Park on a Champions League night. That is going to be electric. That's going to be so, so, so much fun. I'm super looking forward to that. Uh, Fully deserved by Newcastle. They've been, you know, exceeded all expectation this year. And have just been phenomenal. Um, And I really don't know which, between United and Liverpool, which one I don't want to see in the Champions League next year. That's kind of where it comes for me. I really would have liked to have seen Brighton push just that little bit more uh, and get there, but I don't think they will. Um, But uh, I got to say, though, I am impressed by Liverpool, uh, considering they were in, what, like 10th, 11th uh, a few weeks back, uh, being able to push themselves into the top five. Pretty impressive, uh, considering how poor their season was. Uh, And I'm also really hoping that uh, Villa are able to hold on to their European spot, uh, because that would be great for them, and also it would mean Tottenham wouldn't get in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Very true. Uh, or if or if Brentford can manage to, I, I'd take Villa or Brentford any day, as long as Potham doesn't get in, I guess we're all happy. But um, yeah, no, it, it's it's definitely been really, really good. I think Liverpool maybe uh, got seven or eight wins in a row, something like that. I, knew they, I know they drew this past weekend, but um, they've been amazing. So they'll be hoping to win and uh, two Manchester United losses so that they can get into that fourth spot. But regardless, it will be those three that we mentioned, City, Arsenal and Newcastle that will be playing in the Champions League and just one spot remaining. So we're going to talk about that uh, after the season concludes. And the relegation battle in the Premier League is now down to, to just three teams entering the final match day. And before we get into that, Gaetano, it has been confirmed. Southampton have been relegated to the Championship and will finish bottom of the Premier League. Where did it go wrong for Southampton this season, G? I don't think it's just a this season issue. Um 
It sucks because they're they're in that awkward spot of not being good enough to hold on to star players. They have to be a seller team, Um, but also trying to bring in younger players uh, to kind of refill their roster. And I think just they've been doing this for a long, long time. Like you got to think back to like Gareth Bale being in their academy, Adam Lallana, like all these guys that have come through. Sadio Mane was there for a few years. Like I think it's just you can only do that for so long. And they've they've done it for almost like 15 years now. Uh, And there just comes a point where it's just kind of too much. And unfortunately, they do have to go back to the championship. I do think they'll be back in the next couple of years. I don't think they'll be there for long. Um, But yeah, I think this, yeah, this wasn't just a a this season issue. I think this was, this has been coming for a while for them. And uh, it's it's kind of unfortunate for them. Yeah, I think it's a really good point that that you make there about Southampton, how it's been kind of down the years that this has happened. And they've been described uh, in the media anyways, in footballing terms as a factory where they just yeah. they pump out all these amazing young players and I actually know somebody personally uh met him well he came up to the Sioux and you know met him and hung out with him and these sorts of things he's a coach he coaches for Southampton's youth academy so he, he said what goes on there is just unbelievable he said it's insane how how they develop these players but like you said they're a club that kind of have to sell and then they have to develop use them for a couple of years and they got to sell them again so it's a case of will they ever get past that sort of revolving door mentality maybe one day but for the time being they will go down to the championship and I'd like to see them back in the Premier League it's a great atmosphere it's uh you know the Saints are, are a great team to watch in my opinion but yeah they'll have to go do some job down in the championship before they can uh, they can get back up there will be two other teams relegated along with Southampton as we speak it's Leeds who are second from bottom in 19th they have 31 points Leicester have moved into 18th and also have 31 points, but a significant better goal difference than Leeds. It's Everton on 33 points just outside the drop zone. Gee, it comes down to the final match day to determine who goes down. We have been changing our minds weekly here on full time, and uh, I think it's been legitimate because in football, your opinion can change, of course. But it's time to come out and make a final decision for the both of us. Who are the two teams that are going to join Southampton in relegation and go down to the championship? It's a tough one because, you know, I, I do feel bad seeing because I've for basically as long as I've uh, been a football fan, like Everton and Leicester have been Premier League teams. Um, so it's really weird to like see them, one of them going down. Um, Leeds, on the other hand, have come up in the last couple of years and haven't been, you know, overly impressive either way uh you know good or bad yep um so like i don't as a as a fan of the premier league like don't want to see everton go down i think they're just far too big of a club to be going down obviously they have their issues off the field and with ownership and management uh, but it just it, it would feel so wrong seeing them you know in the championship but i'm looking so everton play bournemouth leicester have west ham and leeds have tottenham I think Tottenham's going to, they're going to blow it and they're going to, they're going to lose to Leeds. So I think Leeds will be safe and I'm going to go with Leicester and Everton going down. Wow. That's a big shout. <laughs> uh, I, I could be wrong on this, so I, I don't want to be quoted as such, but if I am incorrect, uh, it, it will definitely come out to pass. I don't know if Everton's ever been relegated from the top flight in English football. Not as far as I can remember. Like I'm pretty, that's, they were... they've been, They've been top flight for like ever, basically. Yeah, because I think it's like them, Arsenal, 
I don't know who else. There's only a handful of teams that have never been relegated from the top flight. So I know United's been relegated. They have done, yeah. So um, it's a case of th- this. This now goes down to the to the last match day. It, it's a tough one to pick, but at the beginning of the season, I did say that Leeds would go down. I don't know why I said that. I had a I had a feeling that they would do. Uh, I also thought that Forrest and Bournemouth are going down. They're both safe. So I'm going to stick with Leeds going down. I think that they will join Southampton in that. And I'm also going to say that Leicester City are going to go down. I feel like Everton just might survive, might get a draw. Bournemouth gets a 34 points, might be safe. Uh, you know, it's so tough to say. I'm going to go with Leeds and Leicester to go down. Hate to say it, but... It's it's what I'm gonna have to pick, and that's what I'm gonna have to stick with. I'll I'll probably change my mind after we uh, we're done recording. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see to see last match day. It's really what we're looking to now because um, there's really not much else to look to apart from a couple of things at the top, but they're minor in comparison to this relegation battle. So we'll definitely keep all eyes on that come the, the final match day. In France's Ligue 1, a champion has not yet been crowned, although PSG are just one game away from being called champions of France yet again. Having a six-point gap at the top with two games remaining, they are within inches of reaching their destiny. Lens is in second, Marseille is in third, and Monaco is in fourth. Gaetano, PSG have had a well, topsy-turvy season, I suppose. Bit of a two-part question here, G. Are we here to agree that PSG will, in fact, win the uh, the, the title in Ligue 1? And the second question is, Assuming they do it, how will this season be remembered for them? One of success or one where maybe they felt that they left something on the table? Uh, so I do think they'll do it. Uh, just kind of mathematically, they need a point uh, in one of their next two games. I think they can manage that. I, I hope they can manage that. Um, so yeah, I do think they will take it. Um, and if they do end up winning the league, it, it's it's hard to say that a, a title winning season's, you know, bad like it, it really is even if it's Liga and it's France you know and PSG typically run away with it, it it's really hard to look at that uh, in any other light um but the way they went out you know just almost cowardly to Bayern Munich in the Champions League uh out in their domestic cup as well not a great season for them um you know obviously like I said you can't you can't argue with winning a league uh but when you're PSG with Messi Mbappe Neymar you know you should be doing more than just winning the league. That should be, and it really has been at uh, PSG, kind of the bare minimum, like kind of almost the way the Carabao Cup was uh, for City the last couple of years, where it's like, you don't, you're not expected to win it. It's just, you win. And that's, that's how it right. should be here. So yeah, I think it's, it's again, tough to say it's a bad season, but also really tough to say it's a good season. Yeah. And I'm with you. I do believe that they will win it. I, I picked that at the beginning of uh, the season I'm sticking with that of course they're inches away the only thing I would say is that the drama that's been surrounding the team throughout the season I think that that's plagued them in some ways not to say that they wouldn't have lost to Byron anyways but like you said they went all cowardly and I'm sure some of the drama surrounding the team had uh, something to do with it so uh, next season they'll have to shape up they're, they're a team that obviously they're missing a Champions League trophy they'll have to certainly be more competitive moving forward in that regard I wouldn't call it a failure of a season, but maybe something was uh, was left on the table. And finally, it's on to the hottest and best title race in Europe's Big Five. That title race is in Germany's Bundesliga. With just one match remaining for all teams, it's Dortmund on top with 70 points. 
Bayern Munich is in second with 68 points. The final match day takes place this Sunday, Saturday, May 27th. All nine games take place at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. Gaetano, this quite literally goes down to the last match day of the season. We have been treated this season to something that we haven't been treated to for years in the Bundesliga, and that is a proper title race. Gee, what do you expect to happen? Who's going to win it? Uh, I expect nothing but chaos. <laughs> um, I think that's fair to say. And in terms of who wins it, it's so, so, so tough to say. Um, you know, so basically Bayern Munich need to win. They need they need their three points, absolutely. Uh, a point could do it for Dortmund, depending on the Bayern Munich result. So, I, I don't know. It's so, 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 so tough. I'm going to go with Dortmund just for uh, the, the story. You know, the big one being Seb Haller. They sign him as the uh, Holland replacement. He misses most of the season with, I believe, his testicular cancer. It was definitely a, a cancer. Uh, comes yeah. back, scores a brace uh, last week uh, to get them basically within a point of the Bundesliga title. I think that'd be a phenomenal story and a phenomenal way to wrap it up. Um, and I also would like to see Bayern Munich not win it, um, as not as punishment, I guess, but uh, for firing Nagelsmann. I think uh, their season's kind of collapsed since then, and I think that might be a wake-up call for their board that that was, you know, an awful, awful decision. Yep, and and what a panic move I think that they'll look back on and how they hit the panic button when they really didn't have to. I've never done this on full time, and I'm doing it today. I'm switching my pick for what I Oof. picked at the beginning of the season. I've never done it. I typically don't do that in any sport, like even with the NHL playoffs that are on right now, NBA playoffs. Whatever I pick is what I pick here because I think it's going to be an unbelievable story for Dortmund and man, oh man. Do they deserve it? They absolutely deserve it. I'm I'm thinking that Dortmund's going to win it one way or another. And I think that Bayern Munich is going to have to have a hard look at themselves. But it's going to be an incredible final match day. I don't think there's any any doubt about that. Like you said, chaos would probably be the way to describe <laughs> it. Can't wait. And now, everyone, it is time for a local soccer update into St. Marie. High school soccer playoffs are well underway. With the junior girls having finished last week, it's all to play for in the junior boys, senior boys, and senior girls division this week and next. Semifinals take place this week at Superior Heights Soccer Field on Thursday and Friday evening. Those games will take place at 5.37 and 8.30 p.m. And then the finals uh, are going to be taking place next week on uh, on Monday and Tuesday and or beg my pardon just on the Monday scratch what I said just on the Monday May 29th and uh, those games again will be played at 5 37 and 8 30 p.m at Superior Heights soccer field and it's outdoor soccer here in Sault Ste. Marie that is about to get started in less than a week's time that's right it all kicks off on Sunday May 28th for men's soccer action women's soccer and youth soccer will commence in June outdoors Gaetano, we've now been able to properly recover from a long, long indoor season that was. And my goodness, uh, did we need it? Uh, how excited are you for this upcoming outdoor season, sir? See, I, like, I love indoor soccer, but outdoor soccer, that's my jam. Get me get me on the flanks, I, I full back, and like, get me, let, let me run up and down the field. That's my cardio for the summer. Like, get me out there. I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm super excited coming off a, a title to kind of be going after uh, an outdoor title. I haven't won one of those yet, so... I am super excited for it. Yep, absolutely. It's going to be uh, hopefully just another great season. We'll have lots of football for sure. 
and a couple of tournaments that my team's going to as well. So we're definitely looking forward to that. And it's all going to come thick and fast. So it starts Sunday and it's pretty much week in, week out, you're playing at least two games. So a lot to look forward to and definitely excited. And as, as we always do here on Full Time, we'll keep everyone up to speed for how those games can be seen, where they can be seen, and when they can be seen. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you are listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Full Time. As we wrap up today's show, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being here with us to talk about all things regarding the beautiful game. G, as always, my good friend, this has been a pleasure. Yeah, uh, again, I appreciate you, you know, sitting through me talking about City uh, winning the title. I know it's not a great spot for you to be sitting in right now, so I do appreciate it. And it was a pleasure uh, talking with you today. Yeah, as as my dad always told me from when I was a young guy, be humble in defeat. So, you know, we were defeated, but as we always say, too, there's always next year. So definitely Absolutely. looking forward to it. <laughs> A reminder to our listeners that the next episode of Full Time will be recorded the week of May 29th, 2023. So that'll be next week. In that show, we will wrap up all of Europe's Big Five. We will review the Europa League final. We will get you set and ready for the FA Cup final between Manchester City and Manchester United. As well, we will get you ready for the Champions League final. We will give everyone a local soccer update. And as always, we will provide our listeners with all the latest in the world of football. Probably something to do with Juventus again, I'd imagine. (laughs) (laughs) For weekly content, make sure to hit like, follow, and subscribe to all platforms of both the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Podbean. Be sure to check us out at our website at www.thegamesportshow.com. That's www.thegamesportshow.com. For Gaetano Gallo, my name is Daniel Scarpino, and thank you for tuning in to Full Time. We look forward to seeing you at kickoff next time back here on the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media. Best always.